0: Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic podcast, when we speak of dynasties, we only talk about how they were built and how long they lasted. But we never talk about the end. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr., Welcome in. I only have one sheet of paper today. Yeah, that's weak. (laughs) That's pretty weak. NFL historians and lovers of sports history, welcome. This show is for you. And if you already know this stuff, in the words of the wedding singer, I would say though, just please try to enjoy the show and don't talk during the movie. Silence your phones. This show is for those who don't know as much about NFL history. So we are here to do three things, and that is to enlighten, teach, as well as learn. Yes, I'm trying to learn. This is the Behind the Mic podcast uh, presented by Belly Up Sports. I am your host, Michael Neal Jr., and this show is presented by Belly Up Sports, the podcast network. BellyUpSports.com. Go to it. Click on it. Again, I say it every week read the stories check out what these guys are writing as well as the other shows they have a lot of variety of sports shows that you would love and you can find not only my show the behind the mic show first off you know you want to listen to that one first i'm I'm always going to push my show but you can catch all of our shows at our home base of spreaker that's s-p-r-e-a-k-e-r not Speaker, Spreaker. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. And there are shows also on YouTube. So, I, I think I figured myself out. I think I really, really love nostalgia. I do. I love looking back at things, looking back at historical things. I like that feeling, remembering things that I saw as a kid. You ever go to a, your old neighborhood or something like that? Now, understand that there are some bad memories for some people, but there's a lot of good ones. The smells that you that you can remember, you know, the hamburgers that you used to eat, the french fries well, food. Yeah, I love food. Um, the, the smell of the grass. You know, I always remember about football practice and just, that just really gives me a charge. The reason why I love football it's part of it. The smell of the grass. Fresh cut grass. There's nothing like it in the world unless you cut lawns for a living uh you have to love that stuff um well I mean there's all kinds of things I mean I remember always you know throughout my short life to this point I'm only 44 years old but you know just going to different parts of just my town Nashville where I grew up remembering where I now I, I lost my mother back in January um so this past Mother's Day it was really tough really tough And if you don't already know, I mean, I I started being a radio producer um, at Cumulus Media and my shift mainly is on Sundays. And I work from one to nine at night and I'm literally up there by myself. That was tough this past Sunday, really tough. But, you know, going all the way back, you know, the past couple of months and just rethinking things thinking about my mother and the music that we listened to and the places that I used to go with her as a kid on the weekends, shopping places that we ate even with my own, my dad who's still with me, praise the Lord, but uh, just in my brothers and, and my sisters and, and just remembering things, going back even with my wife, thinking about the places that we've gone the places that we've, that we've visited and looking at old pictures and just remember nostalgia. And like I said, the thing that gets me about history, what, really gravitates me towards history is seeing what things are what they are and remembering what they used to be and even wanting to see the beginning of things you know what i mean um like i said the music i've heard the food i've ate remembering the relationships and things that were going on at the time i believe that's why i love history so much uh it also was because of the fact that i love seeing like i said how things started uh seeing the landscape uh, what buildings, you know, what what they were and, and how they put up, looking at old ballparks and, and football fields and remembering where old schools used to, used to stand and things like that. Um, and like, that's just me, you know, just looking out just even in Nashville and remembering things and how they used to be. I, every now and then, I've never bought a book. As much as I love history, maybe I'll start doing that I go to different places around town and they have historical nashville books and i'll pick them up every now and then just to thumb through them seeing what downtown used to look like seeing what this part of town used to look like in in that part and and i'm like i know what that looks like now that's what it looked like way back in the 20s or the 30s or even in the 1800s it's amazing to me um same thing with sports i love seeing the origins of teams and players and coaches and owners the stadiums that they play in or the stadiums that they used to play in um, And right now, it's been NF, uh, NBA playoff time, right? And so I've kind of immersed myself in watching some old um, documentaries. Well, not old documentaries. Documentaries of yesteryear, I guess you could say. I know this is an NFL history show. But I love, you know, sports history. But I went back and watched The Last Dance, you know, with Michael Jordan and the Bulls. Uh, The Best of Enemies, I'm a Lakers fan, the Lakers versus Celtics, and Bad Boys, the Pistons. And that's pretty much going throughout the 80s and 90s and even going back in the 60s when you talk about the Lakers and and the Celtics. And you see a lot of, in these documentaries, how these teams were built, how they were put together, where the players came from. I've often said from time to time on this show, how I got into you know loving the NFL in the first place it was Super Bowl Memories hosted by Steve Sable they were always on ESPN uh, i don't know if you remember the music he had like a little green background it showed like Terry Bradshaw and Joe Montana in the Super Bowl cha- trophy and i think it was uh Vince Lombardi and da-da-dum, 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 i don't know if y'all remember that i do uh i had all of those on video cassette tape i still do actually um i just have to find it But I wanted to know, though, from watching all of those Super Bowl memories, how this team did not, or that team did not get back to the Super Bowl. What happened to this player, this coach? How come, you know, they're not on the team or with the team anymore? I always wanted to know that. Since the NFL draft, you know, we've done a couple of shows on the history of the draft, as well as some of the best and worst picks, uh, curious moves, um, but we've talked about past and present, how teams were built. One thing I've always left out is the same question I had with all those Super Bowl winners. What happened? What happened after they won or even lost a Super Bowl? So we got a series going. We want to know what happened to those dominant teams or even those teams that at least had a one good go at it. Or had some good teams in the 80s or the 90s, maybe even the 2000s, in the 70s, the 60s. What happened to these teams? Why did it go away? There's always that same question that was answered in all those three documentaries that I watched on the 90s Bulls, the 80s, and uh, the, the 80s Celtics and Lakers and Pistons. You saw how they got built and why did they go away? The answer is simple. It's sports, old age, injury, even ownership breaks it all up. So what happened to some of the best teams in NFL history? How did they go away? And why? Coming up next. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?
1: In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.
0: So, the Super Bowl era is where everyone seems to start because I guess football didn't exist before the Super Bowl. It did, ladies and gentlemen. It did, boys and girls. Um, and the I have to start for me. I have to start with Ralph Hay. I mean, the NFL was born on his automobile showroom floor back in 1920. The Canton Bulldogs were the first. NFL Dynasty and they actually predated the NFL as the squad began playing football in November of 1904. The team ended up having five pro football Hall of Famers, which included Lou, you probably don't know these names, but get to know them, Lou Smith that's S-M-Y-T-H Guy Chamberlain Joe Guyton, uh, Link Lyman and Pete Henry, but they were led by none other than Jim Thorpe, the world's greatest athlete From 1915 to 1919, the Bulldogs won four consecutive Ohio League championships. Their dominance basically continued even after the NFL was born in 1920 as the American Professional Football Conference or the APFC. They didn't officially become the NFL until 1922. Canton had a record of 27, 1, and 4 between 1922 and 1924. The 1926 season would be its last as the team was disbanded why well the nfl had dropped 10 of its 22 teams and the bulldogs would not be included remember there were a lot of teams that that started off in this thing you had the frankfurt yellow jackets of course the chicago bears the popsville maroons the kansas city cowboys the green bay packers new york giants you know those the Los Angeles Buccaneers, the Duluth Eskimos. I mean, you ain't heard of half of these teams. The Dayton Triangles, the Akron Indians, the Racine Tornadoes, of course, the Canton Bulldogs, the Hammond Pros. We've talked about some of these teams from time to time, but they got rid of 10 of those teams. A lot of times, uh, well, a lot of that was due to, if you haven't heard it before, the fact that the teams needed money. And if you didn't have enough money, then your team basically went away. There were sponsorships. And if stuff did not, you know, money did not continue to flow, especially, well, whether you were winning or not, I mean, football wasn't, pro football was not popular then. It, it was just really getting started. It was in its infancy. I mean, in 1920, that was the first professional league that was actually formed. You had a lot of, I almost want to think of them as backyard teams, you know, that you were formed with your with your your job you know let's just say you worked at bridgestone like my dad you had let's just call them the bridgestone firebirds all right and they had a a football team and they played against you know teams that were in the surrounding areas pretty much in the state and that's how a lot of professional football leagues and professional football teams actually start both both leagues and teams i mean each state had some different leagues but With this, with the Professional Football League, the the NFL 26, they had to drop 10 of their teams. And I guess it's cool though, you know, in the end, that the Pro Football Hall of Fame is now located in Canton. That's the least that the NFL could do. So then there's teams like the 2000s New England Patriots. Now, I don't have to tell you too much about that. You witnessed history. If you paid any attention in the last 20 years, you pretty much know what happened. You got all of the social media and television right there in your mug, right there in your face. I'll have to tell you what happened to them. You witnessed this history on your own. Bill uh, uh, Bob Kraft hired Bill Belichick. Tom Brady got Drew Bledsoe's job after he was almost killed on the sidelines by, who was it, by- Byron Cox? Uh, and he was, had that internal bleeding and lost his job. The team dominated for 20 years. In all of that time, They continue to reinvent themselves. The same teams didn't stick together, and I have to be honest and throw this in here, that one thing I really love and respect about professional football in the 80s and 90s, not saying I totally agreed with it, and even before that, teams stayed together. I could name their teams. It's like if I could put in an old video game now, like Tecmo Bowl or Super Tecmo Bowl, for the most part, most of the core was still together and they stayed together for a long time can you blame you know i mean well you could blame it on money and and things like that but then there was a thing where players were a lot more loyal even though teams weren't always loyal to them that's as old as the bible it's, it's nothing new under the sun um but anyway i mean the patriots you have to respect them in the age of free agency that didn't even start till 1993 and guys changed teams more than they changed draws every year they, they move, they move boom, 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 they're gone. Before you blink, then you have a new starting lineup. The one thing you can't have changed a lot is the quarterback, and that's the key to the Patriots. Brady was there. Brady was the quarterback for the Patriots that had nine Super Bowl appearances and six titles. Six rings. Six rings. And all that time that they were reinventing themselves and changing their offense and and, and the ebb and flow of things on both sides of the ball. Not too many first round draft picks, you know, when you're that good, you're not picking in the first round and Bill Belichick's trading out of the first round. Now, we'll see what happens this year. I mean, he got his team back to the playoffs for the first time since Brady left only two years ago. He got his quarterback of the future and they played well last year, even with not a whole lot of talent and they're trying to continue to rebuild. It's not going to be any more dynasty for them, but when you have a guy like Tom Brady that takes you to that many, that helps you to get to that many championships and most of those games could have went either way, that's great. I think most of us can agree that the dynasty ended after the 2018 season uh, went out when they, they won Super Bowl 53 against the Rams. But I could also, or anybody could also argue, it was made official january 4th 2020 and i know titans fans around here would definitely stand up and clap for that that was the night of tom brady's final game after losing to the titans in the AFC wild card yeah retirement some injury a lot of it was what retirement and and traded players away and they got so thin and you can't continue to win with um hmm too many backups playing receiver or too many guys that's not you know not good enough uh on on, in certain positions and you i mean you can't continue to win that way all the time you can't you know so and then your quarterback even though yeah you could argue he got older the next year he got a younger team and they went back to and won the super bowl his first year in tampa so you know um and then there is the 1960s i'm gonna go backwards again the 1960s packers so we know about the the 60s packers we know how great they were this was a team that was built really um before vince lombardi got there and it really started in 1958 jack vanessi we've mentioned his name he was one of those great scouts that passed away way too soon but in 58 That's where it started in a draft. The foundation was actually laid for the 60s Packers. Three guys were drafted between the first and fourth rounds. Hall of Famers, Jim Taylor, running back out of LSU, Jerry Kramer of guard, and Ray Nitschke, linebacker. These three guys were the cornerstones on both offense as well as on defense. So Vince Lombardi gets hired the next year, After the 58 championship is over with, of course, he was the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants. They lose that great 58 sudden death overtime championship game to the Baltimore Colts. And both Landry would eventually get a job in 1960 as the head coach of the Cowboys. But the year before that in 59, the Green Bay Packers hire Vince Lombardi. Didn't take him long to get that team going. And it helps when you get a lot of great players. And next week, I'm going to tell you about how he got some of those players if you don't already know. So he ended up with what? 12 future Hall of Famers. You know, among them on defense, you had guys like Dave Robinson, Herb Adderley, Henry Jordan, Willie Davis, and Willie Wood. Offensively, you have a quarterback that was a really, really late round draft pick in Bart Starr, and he turned out to be a Pro Football Hall of Famer. Paul Horning, who joined Jim Taylor in that backfield, and Forrest Gregg, who joined Jerry Kramer on that line. And this team, in the nine years that Vince Lombardi coached them, they won five championships, including three in a row, and the first two Super Bowls. They won it in 61, 62, 65, and then they won the first two Super Bowls in 66 and 67. But how did that dynasty end? Well, I think you have to go all the way back, uh, really, to that first Super Bowl season in 1966. And that started that year. They drafted two running backs okay? Jim Grabowski, excuse me, he was like the ninth pick overall, and also they picked up Donnie Anderson. Jim Taylor already was in like a contract dispute with Lombardi. He was the one he was dealing with. He was the de facto general manager as well as the head coach. Kind of like a Paul Brown ish type guy. He just didn't have ownership stake in the Packers. Uh, Nobody does. Well, not, not one person, that is. So, Jim Taylor wanted more money, and Lombardi just wasn't doing it. And these rookies came in. Not only did they see them as, you know, their potential replacements, which turned out they were eventually. Even after they won that Super Bowl, Taylor wanted out, and he he ended up out. Taylor was wonderful. He and Horning, Horning, which he, he was a little long in the tooth. I really don't know what that means, except to say it does mean getting old, but. They, the Packers were getting old. That 67 season in which they won Super Bowl II, they struggled in that whole season, especially more so at the beginning. Uh, not only did Bart Starr throw more interceptions than touchdowns, as a matter of fact, he had nine touchdowns and 17 interceptions. Does that sound familiar, Denver Broncos fans? <clears throat> uh, but I'm just trying to say that not only did he do that but he also got hurt and missed a couple of games and they had a guy by the name of i think it was zeke Bratowski he came in the backup and they still continued to win that defense carried that team that season offensively they had to do the running back by committee why because there was at the end of the 66 season i believe it was like the beginning of 67 there was an expansion draft because in 67 the new orleans saints came about and Lombardi submitted a couple of names. Uh, Bill Curry, who they believe was like a first year player, uh, first or second year player with the Packers in the first place, ended up with the Baltimore Colts eventually. But he also played for the Green Bay Packers starting at center, I believe. Um, But he, along with Jim Taylor, as well as, and I think Taylor, I think he actually signed, just went straight up signed with the New Orleans Saints. But Paul Horning ended up in that expansion draft, but he never played it down for the Saints. And that, I mean, it was a great homecoming for Jim Taylor because he ended up with the team they drafted. I mean, uh, that uh, back home where he played his college football. He was from uh, LSU. So you lo- start losing these stars. And by 71, you had guys that were just getting old. You had uh, several of them that actually, they actually had, retired um and then they also i think some of them were actually traded away they they ended up signing with other teams via free agency and it was all the big guns by 71 Barstar had went on and retired himself and i think he ended up coaching the packers for a while and uh when lombardi actually stepped down of course you should know after that 67 season and the defensive coordinator phil i think his name was phil Burton he ended up being the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, they 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 had a winning season and they had a losing season, and it just continued downhill from there. wasn't great. By '69, think uh, Willie Davis and Herb Adderley, dad retired. Of course, Lombardi has stepped down, but he actually was the GM. But then a year, a couple years later, he ends up as the Washington Football Team's head coach. And unfortunately, September 3rd of 1970. He passed away from cancer. Three days later, Commissioner Pete Rozelle names the Super Bowl trophy in his honor. So, I mean, those are just some of the the many examples uh, we're just gonna start off with. But next week, a dynasty that may not have been got questions. Another that simply got old and a team that could have had a 20 year run much like the New England Patriots, except he gave away multiple hall of famers that were in his back pocket oh my god references that's it thanks to profootballreference.com Fame.com, also bleacher report an article written by paul augustine jr nfl history in brief the rise and fall of seven nfl dynasties dated Janu- January January 12, 2009, and also the book, America's Game, the NFL at 100, by Jerry Rice and Randy O. Williams. That's it. This has been the Behind the Mic Podcast, presented by Bill Sports, Bill Sports Podcast Network, BLS Sports.com is where you go and click and read and listen to all of those great shows and content creators. On our home base, you can catch us all on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, YouTube. Tell all your friends and your family about this show or we will find your house. I'm out.